Hello, I'm M. And I'm Eyes. And welcome to our brand new podcast, Tipples and Tolkien. Let us be your guides as we return to Middle Earth this fall with the premiere of the new Amazon show, Rings of Power. We'll discuss episodes with you, tell tales of old, and even bring you a brand new tipple recipe every week to enjoy. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, as well as Twitter, which is at Tipples Tolkien, that is T-I-P-P-L-E-S T-O-L-K-I-E-N and Instagram at Tipples and Tolkien. So cozy up, pour yourself a drink, and come on a journey with us this fall on Tipples and Tolkien. stations action stations set condition one throughout the podcast welcome again to set condition one a night shift radio production i am sc1 caleb nope want to try it again pause i am sc1 actual caleb and with me on the cic is my trusty xo kitsy hello and as always the president of the 12 colonies andrea hello how's everyone doing today Lovely. I'm great. Real good. We're back on a, a normal schedule. Yeah, I've feels, got plenty of water. It feels good. It feels right. I'm also <sighs> appropriately hydrated. Audio uh, issues are, are working themselves out left and right. Boy, we sure hope so. <laughs> See what I did there? Left and right? Uh-uh. Oh, because stereo. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I record in mono, but... <laughs> As you should... <laughs> I got in trouble once for recording in stereo. Never again. <laughs> Kids in trouble. Oh. So as we said, welcome again to Set Condition One. Uh, if you are not already, uh, thank you for, for joining us. Uh, please make sure you subscribe so that you can get the uh, alerts every week for when there's a, a new episode. Uh, every Tuesday. Coming at you. From the uh, the depths of space, where all of this has happened before, and all of this will happen again. Um, but if you're just joining us, welcome. We appreciate uh, appreciate you uh, spending your time with us uh, this lovely day, wherever you may be. Uh, but that said, previously on Battlestar Galactica, uh, so we open this episode with a little bit of a party scene. We're, uh, we're on the deck. Our, our good buddy Flattop, he's just uh, he's made his uh, thousandth landing, which uh, hopefully he didn't blow like the, uh, the last several times when he got a scold and a good talking to by Starbuck in, a, in our last episode. Uh, it seems like maybe he's, uh, he's gotten his act together a little bit. Would you say? It seems like... I mean, maybe. Like, maybe. Or maybe everyone's just happy that he managed to actually land without killing himself for a thousand times. <laughs> now, here's, here's the too thing soon, that, Caleb, that I don't soon. understand. It, Go on. So, 
when Starbucks chewing flat top out for not landing properly, do you not get the impression that he's a Viper pilot? Because wouldn't she only be briefing the Viper pilots or does she brief everybody? She briefs everybody because remember Sharon is in these briefings. Oh, all the okay, time. okay. Because I was gonna say Flat Top is a, a Raptor pilot according to the song that they sing when he yeah. lands, and also the fact that he gets out of a Raptor. I mean that I think that was my clue, but uh, you know we kind of have to put all the pieces together, and I, I think I think we're getting the whole story here. For, for some reason, I thought that that pilot briefing room was only for Viper pilots, but you're right. Sharon's in there a lot, and she's definitely a Raptor pilot. So I'm just it wrong. Would be really. Really weird if the, like, seven Raptor pilots out of the fleet all had their own separate briefing and, like, <laughs> like it was even more exclusive than the Viper pilots' briefings. Yeah. Which already already feel kind of, like, exclusive, as we, we talked about with the, uh, the kind of the hot shots of the, uh, of the fleet. Yes, but we'll talk more about that exclusive club today, won't we? I, I think we will, yes. Um, so as they're, they're celebrating and... Uh, there's a bit of a ritual when a pilot has their thousandth landing, and so everyone is kind of taking part. They're they're decorating a, a helmet, and uh, uh, I think that's uh, that's Lee and Kara, I believe, that are that are doing that. They're decorating with the the words or the numbers one thousand mm-hmm. in uh, in paint, red mm-hmm. paint. Kind of looks like blood. A little ominous mm-hmm. to me. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Even uh, the commander is excited to get in on the the fun, and there, we get a little bit of a, an anecdote from uh, his younger days where he had his thousandth landing, um, <clears throat> which, if I, if I recall, he was uh, he was been uh, a bit of a hotshot himself back in those days, was he not? <laughs> well, according to him, the the story's been greatly exaggerated. That's such a beautiful <laughs> moment of that sort of soft world building that works so well in this show where you, you've you got this, like you said, this ritual they've obviously done, you know, however many times before. And even um, Tyrrell, right, says he's like, get yeah. me a wagon. Like, you know, there's there, there's always yeah. supposed to be a wagon, like whatever that is. And, um, and then that story that um, is clearly such a cherished, like, story story that Starbuck loves to tell and then it's just such a I, I don't know I just it's such a well done way of of establishing that I love Chief's reaction when he realizes like it's a pilot's thousandth landing and like no one told the deck crew he's like, <laughs> look like what the hell like we're gonna look like assholes out here <laughs> like well let's get our shit together so we can be a part of this and so they find like a, a utility wagon and like empty it out so they can put a uh, flat top in it and roll it around. And I think they also paint 1000 on the side of that. And, you know, it's, it's a big celebration there. Uh, they're singing a, a, a chant song, uh, which I guess is uh, a rewritten version of a chant that was sung by a 10 Thunderbolt pilots. Uh, it turns out. Oh, interesting. There's actually, uh, huh. yeah, there's a, a lot of little bits and pieces from this episode that are like actual, like, homages or acknowledging of real world uh, events or cool. uh, kind of rituals and stuff like that. And I think that that, again, lends to that like gritty realism that we've talked about so much with this, where like, if you're at all familiar with any of like this military tradition or any of these events that they reference, you know, like, that, that makes it that much more real for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then tragedy strikes. Yeah, we get a little bit of an ominous foreshadowing as the camera keeps panning to this uh, this rack of drones uh, with a good old fashioned uh, what do they they call those ratchet straps? Uh, ratcheting ratchet straps. Thank you. That's 
That's exactly what I would expect them to be called, and I didn't realize that I was right. <laughs> there are straps with ratchets on them, ratchet straps. Uh, but one of the uh, the straps uh, on the side is uh, clearly old and worn and about to, to rip, and you're like, oh, well, that's that's going to ruin someone's day real bad uh, if you're uh, uh, at all uh, paying attention when uh, foreshadowing happens. Mm-hmm. You know that it's foreshadowing something. <laughs> You get the real in-depth analysis here. That's how foreshadowing works, one. just in case you didn't know. There was... Uh, I was so, oh, go ahead. Go. I'm sorry. I just... I was listening. Um, sorry. The cat opened my door, and I'm asking Dakota to please come close my door. Um, <laughs> usually, I, I lock it and lock him in from the inside, but I forgot. Anyway, um, so I was... <laughs> Watching the beginning of this episode in line, in this really long line at the pharmacy drive-thru. Um, and so I had the, you know, not while the car was moving. There was just, if you happen to need to go to a pharmacy where they're, um, thank you. Um, if you happen to need to go to a pharmacy where they're uh, doing COVID testing, no matter what, you're just in that line because it's one at a time. So, um so I was there for a long time. So I was watching the beginning. And so I had the sound obviously coming through my car speakers. And I mean, the, the, the way the, um, the sort of music builds there, the red paint, mm-hmm. the, the ratchet straps, I know what they are now. Like I was just even, even that Adama is in a good mood. Like you, I, there was so much tension. I was like, it's, this is not, oh, we're all in for it. Oh, what does it say about the poor old man that, <laughs> like, when he's in a bad mood, you know something's going to go mm-hmm. wrong? Um, and, yeah, like, they do this really great thing where, like, like you said, the, the music's building, the energy's building, the camera is spinning around the, the action as they're wheeling him in circles and the chanting gets more and more intense. Uh, and they keep panning back to that cart full of the drones uh, as, like, you can see one of them start to sag and the, the straps start to, to have, like, the tension start to wear at it until finally it snaps and the drone drops and ignites and just flies over at them and... Uh, luckily for us, the viewers, the camera cuts away uh, to we see Lee and uh, Starbuck and Commander Adama in the hallway approaching uh, as they hear the explosion. And we realize, oh, fuck, something just went terribly wrong at this celebration. Uh, now, I mentioned that this episode gives uh, a lot of nods to real life events. That apparently was actually based on a real incident above the, uh, aboard the USS Forrestal. Oh, it was uh, actually a, a missile oh. that uh, ignited and hit several p- planes on the deck. Oh, which, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that had to have been a very intense moment. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. don't have any military wow. training, but that military, that's my uh, drag name, uh, military. Uh, <laughs> I don't have any military training, but that sounds like something you don't want to happen. Yeah, yeah typically, yeah. Hit- Missile hitting anything on your flight deck is not usually a good time. <laughs> yeah. uh, it typically no you only want your direction. missiles to hit your enemies, not your own stuff. Same. Yeah, you this want the missiles going away from uh, the boat or the ship. Um, and so, yeah, we learned that uh, I believe it's uh, yeah, 13 dead and several more uh, in, uh, in, the, in the sick bay, in the, in the hospital. All pilots, uh, too. All pilots. So suddenly the... Uh, the the pilot the specifically the Viper pilot fleet has gone from uh, there's 40 available Vipers but only 21 pilots. Uh, side note. Hey, do you think that's where the, the, that band's <laughs> name came from? Side note. 
Uh, I did look into that, and it is not where the band's name came from. No. It's from, uh, wait, do I know? Is it from a play? Yes, yeah, I think so. All yeah, it's definitely sons, from something literary. I think. But it would so, be a lot cooler if it were Battlestar. I was very, very disappointed when I realized that it wasn't from this episode. Or maybe it is, and they just didn't want to admit it. Or maybe it's an allusion to an illusion. Oh, cool. Maybe Battlestar is alluding to the play that I should know. I think it's a play. It doesn't matter, but... And then I can find the article that, uh, that I looked up because I wanted to reference that little uh, tidbit in the show notes anyway, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, so interspersed throughout this whole introduction scene, we get these quick cuts of Starbuck in a Viper cockpit in basically like a spiral out of control in what looks like the atmosphere of a planet. Uh, we don't know why yet, but we know that her, her plane is damaged, like, badly, and that she's, like, spinning out of control. And we also get... Uh, interspersed throughout this episode, more flashbacks of the story of what happened with Zach Adama. Side note, anytime I step away, feel free to join in. <laughs> I was I was trying to let Andrea talk and not I do thought... too much talking because I feel like last week we, we kind of just, you know, railroaded you out of the, the podcast was... a little bit. So I, uh, I was just thinking that I'd been talking a lot, so I was waiting to see if you were moving to talk. And so we were just both kind of... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so, so the thing is, Caleb and I get to talk a lot in other podcasts, so, you know. Well, this is my, so, my second yeah. of three today, so. Yeah, the uh, the other other thing is that I'm uh, still, what's the word, um, the previously on part of this, uh, yeah, I, I try not to be as interrupty, but I'll just be more interrupty, that's Just fine. be more interrupty, people want to yeah. hear from you. I think we established last time that uh, the flashback of the episode is, is going to get interrupted. And yeah, I've come to terms with that. I, I can't, I can't keep my mouth shut that long. It's just not going to happen. Um, well, now that while I've got um, control of, of the podcast now, while now I have it, the control, um, you have the this, con, this episode is also quite lost in, um, is this our first of more than one flashback-based episode, or no? There's definitely some flashbacks me. throughout the series. Um, so if we're keeping track of things those two shows have in common, this is not officially the Lost Corner yet. You'll know when it's Lost Corner. But um, Did you write a theme song for it? it. <laughs> yeah, I told you. It's... Oh, that's right. <laughs> uh, Kitsy, editing note, uh, just cut that right there. And that will be the theme whenever we're introducing <laughs> the Lost Corner. <laughs> Done. Andrea making that noise. <laughs> I worked really hard on it, so thank you. Andrea, can I just can I just get a clean take of that noise real quick? Bong. That wasn't it. That wasn't as good that time. No, no it's gotta be spontaneous. All right. I lost the magic bum. No. <laughs> just please. <laughs> I've listened to too much left of the dial to feel. I shouldn't feel safe just making weird noises into a microphone. <laughs> I should know better. Yeah, I, I learned that after, like, episode three, mm -hmm. which, what does that say about me, that it took three episodes <laughs> to learn that lesson? <laughs> <laughs> so, where were we? Flashbacks. Yes. 
about what happened to Zach. Story of, we yeah, we learn more. Which I think we all, or at least I did anyway, right? Um, we knew that there was more to, to Zach and, uh, and Starbucks' relationship. Um, I wasn't surprised to find any of that um, out. I was surprised that, to find out that Lee and um, Papa Adama both already knew that there'd been that the two of them were involved in a relationship, Zach and uh, Zach and Starbuck. Yeah, they both knew, but uh, but okay. Lee knows what Starbuck did, but uh, but Papa Bear does not yet. Mm-mm. Yeah, well, Starbuck told him in one of the earlier episodes. We we learned that fairly early on in the series. Uh, but I, one of the things that I love so much about these, like this world building through the flashbacks that they do, is you get to see more of that, uh, like kind of father daughter relationship with Adama and Starbuck develop because mm-hmm. we see the moment where they actually meet. You know, are you Lieutenant Thrace? <laughs> <laughs> Just like, like you can tell, like she's. She's nervous. She's frightened. Like, here's this man that she's super intimidated by, but she was also in love with his uh, son. You know, eventually, you know, she lets on to him that they were engaged. Um, and, you know, that. Well, he figures it out, doesn't he? I like, think she kind of right. dances think... around it and he's like, You were engaged, weren't you? Well, he, um, Zach hints about it in a letter when he invites Adama <laughs> oh, to right. his graduation. Because um, she says, I watched him write the letter. That's very sweet. Yeah. I thought we were going to find out she'd been moment. pregnant that the first time he says, like, you were engaged. She doesn't really confirm or deny it um, when they meet the first time. And then later on, he says it again. It's because you were engaged. And I think, I don't remember how um, uh, affirmative she responds to that. So I don't know if that's something I still might find out at some point, but I kind of put that aside after that second exchange. Yeah, so we get more of more of Starbucks' guilt mm-hmm. from this. Like, we see very much that she is still carrying the, the weight of that. I mean, we already got to see uh, how it came to a head between father and son with Lee and William Adama early on in the series uh, and how they worked through their grief and anger uh, coming from uh, like both sides of, you know, their, uh, you know, their shared loss. Uh, but Starbuck doesn't let a lot of people in. And so you only get these little glimpses into like who she is and like the depths of her uh, experiences. And we really see how this is like not only weighing her, but like really driving like almost every decision she makes. Uh, and so, uh, with the loss of so many pilots, uh, either dead or injured from the, uh, the, the mishap on the flight deck, Starbuck is tasked with training new recruits and they just find literally anyone throughout the civilian fleet that has ever flown a ship of any kind. And like, here's your training group. It's bad uh, news bears, to- but for <laughs> flight school near work. Oh. Uh, which we do get our first introduction to uh, two of my favorites uh, of the uh, the Viper pilots, Hot Dog and Cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, uh, watching it through again on the, like, I don't know, 17th time or whatever, uh, the trainees come on the screen and Ellen's like, oh, Hot Dog. <laughs> <laughs> 
so there's there's this moment in uh, in Adama's office where he's telling Starbuck like, hey, you know, we need you to train pilots, and she's like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Well, more more so, she's like, I don't think I'm the right person for the job. Um, and he's like, you know, you're the best pilot we have, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, there's not one flight instructor in the fleet. And he's like, there's two, but, the, you know, the only civilian aircraft or whatever. And he's like, I need someone to train them how to fly in combat. Um, and so she, you know, she he, he kind of pushes her to accept the the responsibility. Not that I, I think she had a choice, because I think had it come down to it, he probably would have just said, you're doing this, mm-hmm. whether you want yeah. to or not. Like, <laughs> that's all there is to it. So she does. She does it. She trains them. And uh, predictably, this uh, ragtag group of people who've never been in the cockpit of a Viper at all uh, on their very first day of maneuvers uh, don't do that great. No, you know? they're not very good at it. They, uh, they, they blow that. Well, first of all, in their first briefing, they're a little bit uh, undisciplined because, mm-hmm. you know, they're not military. One of them. Uh, washed out of the academy. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, was that was hot dog. That was hot dog. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she actually assigns him that that call name because he's kind of goofing off and not taking things seriously. And she's like, "What's your name? No, now you're hot dog." <laughs> I also love the moment where she's like, uh, "My name is uh, you know, Kara Thrace. Call sign Starbuck. You will refer to me as God." <laughs> <laughs> she's so good. It's funny. They're still. I mean, she's still. You know, she's Starbucks, so she can't help herself. But there's such a difference the way she walks into that room um, versus last week's episode where she comes, like, in so cocky. Yes. I don't know if – I don't remember if she actually has a cigar in her hand. She does. But, like, the yes. energy is there <laughs> either way. Okay. Um, and and just – it's such a different – it's just such a different Starbucks. You can really tell that she's kind of wrestling with with. Well, you can kind of tell to... she's she's walking into this already with the attitude that they're, they're all going to fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's kind of her attitude from the start. Is she's yeah. already made that decision? Do we yeah, know? Sorry, go ahead. So, no, this is just a clarification question for me. Do we know how, or sh- am I supposed to know how much time has passed between Zach's death and when um, she first when she got to uh, the Galactica? I don't know if that's ever actually established. We definitely don't know at this point how much time it's been. I feel like it's it's alluded to a little bit uh, in the like the mostly in the tension between Lee and Commander Adama, uh, but I'm not sure that they yeah. ever pinned down an exact amount of time. That's what I was trying uh, to remember. If there was a time when it was like it's been blah 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 since the two of us have talked or something, because I'm wondering how long she's had to kind of process the stuff with Zach and and all of that. I should know. Maybe I'll I make mean, a timeline for fun. It's long enough that you know. Uh, the commander and Starbuck have this really deep relationship uh, established. Uh, Lee has become estranged. Uh, we know that uh, Adama had been married. I, th- I think it might be during that point where their marriage kind of falls apart uh, and they become estranged. I, th- I think by the time the series starts, she might have uh, remarried or moved on in some way. I feel like Lee uh, hints at that. Yeah. Uh, so if I had to guess, I would I would give it probably about a five year timeline. Yeah. Okay. So that long sounds right. Enough. I don't mean long enough that she should be over it. I just mean like she's had some time. It's not um, like it happened yesterday, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But okay. uh, 
Yeah, I feel like the 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 depth of relationship that we have between, uh, especially between the like the kind of four principal players here with Kara, Adama, Lee, and Ty, like how they all have a very complex web of inter inter yeah interconnectivity uh, between them. Uh, you're definitely talking on on the scale of years, mm-hmm. uh, not you know months or weeks. Yeah. yeah. So. He says, uh, I love you like a daughter. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. God. And I feel like Adama's not the kind of person to like really let someone in that easily either. And you know, we, we know that, that Starbuck isn't. And so it takes like not only their, their shared grief, uh, but a good deal of time and exposure to one another and really like developing that mutual respect mm-hmm. uh, to the point where it goes past just, you know, commander and uh, you know, director port to being familial. Yeah, I'm not even sure that he loves Lee like a son, let alone. <laughs> I was really surprised to hear him say that. No, I mean, he's definitely closer to Starbuck, at least in, in the beginning oh, of the yeah. series, because, it, you know, like he and Lee had a pretty big falling out and they still aren't yeah. really on great terms. Uh, like you can tell they've, they've kind of accepted the fact that they now are going to live on the ship together and have to work together, but they're not really stoked about it. Well, and no. what happens now, because it was because, I mean, primarily because Lee um, blamed uh, Adama for Zach's death, mm-hmm. right? And Adama, mm-hmm. as it turns out, really didn't do, he said, I, I didn't do anything for him. I wouldn't do for any other pilot or any other cadet or whatever he says a few episodes yeah. back. And it's true. And so that, I don't, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they're. Well, I think Lee kinda, still kind of holds um, his father responsible for zach entering the program in the first place because there's that whole speech where he gives like you know a man's not a man until he wears the wings of a viper pilot so it you know i think he still feels like uh you know commander adama pressured zach into joining the military when it probably was like it was probably very obvious to lee that it wasn't for him Mm -hmm. from the beginning and you know but he just wanted to make his dad happy so yeah. So I think yeah. as so I think Lee, while he's not like he, you know, while now he knows the truth of what happened and that, you know, Starbuck is the one that actually, you know, should have failed him and didn't. Um, I think uh, he still kind of holds some resentment to his dad for for, you know, putting that uh, that seed there in the first place. I actually think it's really interesting how much more accountable he holds his father uh, then Starbuck, even after learning that, like his relationship with Starbuck was strained and still has its tense moments because there's such like strong willed characters, uh, and sometimes so very opposite in their reaction to things, but they, they mend so much quicker, uh, as friends than this strained father son relationship. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause they're that's, yeah, just thinking about the timeline of things, it's not that far out. I mean, they're goofing off and getting ready for Flat Top's mm-hmm. celebration. It's not that long after um, Lee finds out that Starbuck is the one who passed. So I think, I, yeah, I mean, y'all are definitely, I think, onto something there that uh, that her, or his, Lee's blaming uh, Papadama goes, William, William. William, mm-hmm. Bill. I always want to call him. I always want to call him George for some reason. I don't know why. Mm. Nope. Um, not, that's not, not a George. A, not a George. <laughs> um, uh, William Adama, first and foremost, so he can kind of, you know, deal with or work through Starbucks' part in that because he wouldn't have been there in the first place. So that makes sense. Yeah. 
And pivoting for just a moment, because we're constantly talking about how much time has passed. Like, what, what kind of time frames are we looking at here? Uh, and the show keeps it very vague, and I think intentionally so. Uh, but one thing that we do learn is that two weeks have passed for our friends down on Cylon Occupied Caprica, mm-hmm. uh, our, uh, our other Sharon and uh, Hilo, Carl Agathon, who, uh, when we last saw them, they were running off in search of a colonial military signal that they had picked up on their radio, uh, thinking that perhaps there might be some other survivors on the planet. Uh, well, they managed to track the signal to an old restaurant uh, that they uh, they find abandoned and no one there, and they're like, well, what the hell? Like, why, why would the signal be coming here? Uh, until they discover it's actually from a, a hidden room, which is basically a fallout shelter, uh, when I say basically, I mean it's a fallout shelter. Yeah, literally, it's actually labeled. <laughs> it's labeled as such, <laughs> uh, and it's you know stocked as you would expect to find a shelter with uh, medical supplies and food and uh, the radio strapped to about thirty-seven batteries <laughs> to keep it running, uh, which somehow they're able to take one look at and determine that it was uh, set to trigger when uh, there was some sort of disaster and just run forever. Uh, they take a moment to consider, well, like somebody put a lot of effort into planning this. Where are they? And they're like, well, best not to worry about that. (laughs) Best not to get involved. Best not to get involved. Well, hey, we have uh, multiple Dreda's contacts, so uh, why don't we take a quick break and hear from our sponsor this week while we jump to a new location. The Storyteller Series is a podcast bringing back classic radio theater, featuring engaging storytelling delivered to you monthly. From narrated tales to character-driven stories performed by multiple voice actors, all will bring you on an audible journey. Join us at StorytellerSeriesPodcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. I don't have a song today. Damn it. I thought you said you had like a thousand of them queued up. Yeah, but I wasn't prepared for it. I didn't do my vocal warm up. So oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Begin it's... jump prep. We're leaving. <laughs> no, that's the end of the podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> who brings us back? I still don't know who does it. I think you do. Uh, do I? Yes. And we're back. Glad we made Subtle. it through that jump, everyone. <laughs> well done. All colonial ships so, accounted yeah. for. Flawlessly executed jump. Oh, wait, no, better yet. All of our listeners are accounted for. They all made it through the jump oh. with us. Uh, <laughs> yes. Excellent. I mean, we literally have no way of knowing that. But I'm <laughs> going to be confident and say yes. Because when we make mistakes, people stop listening to the podcast. <laughs> if you stop listening just, by this point, I mean, it, please it, tweet it, it, us. As far know. as we're concerned, that's just the same as them dying. So <laughs> They're dead to me. This gets dark. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, we uh, we have Sharon and uh, Hilo on the plant's surface. They found this stockpile of uh, of supplies and food, uh, and so we have them kind of safely hold up for the uh, the time being and out of the uh, the radioactive rain, and uh, that's where we leave them for now. Although that's not the last that we see of this uh, of this scenario, because just outside the uh, just outside the shop window, we see one of the sixes, and also the music plays that I'm convinced now must be her theme song. Yeah. <laughs> so 
That begs the question, this fallout shelter, is it a Cylon trap? Or was it actually a human shelter that uh, the human just didn't make it to before tragedy struck? Tune in next week to find out. <laughs> Will I find out next week? I That's a spoiler. <laughs> All of these things are going to be spoilers to me now, too, because I'm, I'm realizing how little I remember. Yeah, it's like uh, I remember the overall, like, plot but like the specifics I, I don't remember so a lot of this is like i'm like oh yeah that's how that happens yeah so it's, it's very exciting and again so uh we'll get into you know further into this episode but like this was this was a, a two-parter it was a cliffhanger uh and i guess not technically a two-parter because it wasn't a one, part one part two but it does end on a cliffhanger uh and it was all i could do to not be like next Oh, so hard. Yep. It said to be continued, and I was like, maybe yeah. I can I'm, just continue. But to I be didn't. fair, every episode is to, <laughs> to be, be continued fair. in this show. It's one kind of long, continuous story. It's true. It's just like some stories have a direct story arc continuation from one to the next, and some are like kind of picking up where the other left off. True. Had, had essentially mm-hmm. wrapped up their, mm-hmm. their yeah. mini subplot. All the this drama has been resolved. Yeah. yeah, whereas when this episode ends, like, we're definitely still in the thick of it. But we're not there yet. We're not at the end yet. So No. Uh, so, predictably, Starbuck flunks all of the new cadets after their first day, sends them all packing, and uh, I think it's Adama is even like, really? Come on. Well, I know uh, he, Lee gets into it with her. Mm-hmm. He's like, you can't, you can't do that. She's like, well, I did, so... And then he's like, <laughs> well, you can't. Well, I did. She's like, well, so, I'm, you know, I'm the flight instructor and my word is final and, you know. Yeah. And so Lee, realizing that that's not okay and that he does have some pull as the CAG uh, and also the son of the commander, uh, goes to his father and is like, hey, so Starbuck flunked all of these pilots and, like, we can't, we can't have that. And he kind of lets slip, like, you know, I think she's letting her, her personal feelings cloud her judgment and well, even and, uh, even before he says that, like, you know, Commander Adama's still like, well, you know, if she failed him, they, they weren't up to, up to snuff. Like, yeah. that's, you know, she wouldn't pass them or she wouldn't fail them if they didn't, you know, fail. Like, he's he's basically like, you know, I trust her to do her job professionally. And that's when Lee's like, well, I think, yeah, you know, I think her, her feelings might be clouding her judgment a bit. And he's like, have a seat. <laughs> and they uh, and they talk and they talk it out. Um, and he doesn't come right out and say uh, what happens, uh, like what happened with, with her and Zach, but he's just kind of like, you, you should probably ask her about it. Well, it's so funny because he, th- he's kind of taken aback at first because Adama, he's like, I, you know, I think there's something with her and Zach and, and Adama's like, I know about her and Zach. And you can see that Lee, I mean, yeah. obviously thinks he's talking about the whole sort of mm-hmm, yeah. long, the short of it. And then Adama's like, what say what now? And then uh, Lee's like, gotta go! <laughs> and uh, leaves it up to... I think I left my space oven on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my space boot is filling up with space blood. Yeah, and that's... It's good for the plot and for the drama of the story for, uh, for you know, Lee's reaction to be like, uh, you should talk to Starbuck about this. Um, but it's also kind of a, a weird little... Maybe not so much as of a character flaw, but it's kind of a, a, a problem for Lee that like he's not 
like confident enough to face that situation and say it. But you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm not you know maybe I'm being too hard on Lee because realistically, it is up to Starbucks to be the one to come forward and say that. Yeah. But in this conversation with his father, as soon as it gets tense, he's like, "Nope, I'm out." <laughs> He was happy to run to him to snitch on her in the first place, though. Yeah, um, and that's like, I, I like Lee, but sometimes he does little things like that that make it a little hard to respect him. <laughs> well, he's a very conflicted man. Jamie Bamber. Yes. Come tell us about this. Tell us, like, what, what was Lee's motivation in this scene? <laughs> we want to know. Yeah. It's Tweet a, at us. Come on the podcast. Talk well, to us. I, okay, yeah, there you go. That's how you get people on your podcast, right? Yeah. We just yes. okay. You tell cool. them when they're when you know they're already like clearly listening. Well, yeah. everyone uh, from the just, show is listening to this podcast. That's a obviously. confirmed fact. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Starbucks. There's absolutely no way that's not true. Um, and so, like, we just we invite them on, and they they come on, and that, that's how that here. happens. And if and if I they don't wait. come on, it's because they're a jerk. Yeah. Djo, you're next. Oh, could you imagine though? But oh I think God, you... I, would, I would die. <laughs> oh. I love him so much. I like our listeners can't see that Caleb has the vapors right now. He it's does literally. <laughs> He's fanning himself. Oh my God! It is actually really hot in here. But uh, <laughs> that said, mm-hmm. uh, that's what they all say I, when they meet EGO. EGO. That's Edward James. Edward James almost. I would fanboy so G. hard, so hard. <laughs> yeah, me too. So that means oh I, God, let's amazing. just, <laughs> can we do a thought experiment where I'm the one at the helm five episodes into this show of interviewing Edward James Almos? Probably let's, maybe we'll save him for later on. Um, but I think to, to speak to your earlier point and then we can, uh, we can add your fanfic to the OnlyFans account if you want. That's just you and EJO hanging out. Um, uh, but I think you can see, I mean, we said we're not sure what's going on there, but there's that moment um, right before Lee leaves and Adama calls him captain. He's like saying, do your job, right? Captain. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And Lee says, no, dad. And he calls him dad, which you don't hear all that often. Um, no. It's a very like familial, familial, like you said, and it's a very like real moment between these two people. And I think that's what's in conflict there, right? Yeah. Is Lee on the one hand wanting to do his job, which is why he snitches on Starbucks because she's not doing hers. Um, But also, you know, he's got uh, a much more personal relationship with Starbucks than just that. So that makes it difficult. Such a core of this show where like you have all these people who are thrown into like dire life or death, like survival scenarios, but you also have like this depth of shared history that like, it's kind of hard to just be like put that aside and uh, live in the moment, uh, and like I I don't know anyone that would would be able to not let that stuff get in the way. Yeah, maybe for like the first fight or flight reflex of like <laughs> oh shit we got to jump out of here and save the species, but no, you know a few weeks in at least uh, it's gonna get hard. It's gonna it's gonna get tense. We we. I think we've talked about that just about every week because every week they give us another good example of how good mm-hmm. they are balancing this. But I was thinking about this episode and like there was next to zero Cylon interaction. Obviously, there's the big moment at the at the whoa, end. Whoa, whoa, of we're not there yet. Well, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> but Spoilers. if we're tallying, Spoilers. and there's the um, 
there's the you know back down on uh caprica there's there's that moment at the restaurant with six kind of but otherwise yeah the, the cylons is, aren't the real antagonist in this episode yeah yeah grief is grief yeah, yeah. frankenstein was the doctor <laughs> it's true it's they were true. dead the whole time uh so after this interaction, uh, the commander does call Starbuck back to his, his quarters. and Starbuck reports to the principal's office. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> That's another thing that I don't know that I've really noticed before. The very specific pages, because uh, I think it was last week, there was like a uh, pass the word to Colonel Ty, <laughs> Colonel Ty report to the CIC. Like there was a very specific page over the, uh, the, the uh, announcement system for him. And this time it was... Uh, Starbuck uh, report to the uh, the CO's quarters, <laughs> um, and so like it's it's basically this moment of like so I hear there's something you need to tell me, and she's like I I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you have to ask Lee. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's weird I, I, that he said that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm asking you. And uh, I think it's probably in your best interest that you tell me. He gets real intimidating like he's good at. Uh. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's so intense. I love him. And I, I know, Caleb, I know that you are waiting for the moment you get to quote that line that's coming up. And I'm, I'm stoked on it, too. I don't remember which one you're talking about. Okay, then I'll Look do out. it. <laughs> but we'll get to that point first. Okay. So, I mean, you know, there's there's a tense moment. Basically, she tells him, you know, like what happened, and uh, and he's basically like, okay, you need to go train these pilots, do your job, you know, blah blah blah. And then he says to her, "Walk out of this room while you still can." <laughs> oh yeah! Oh my god! He is chilling uh, in that moment. Yeah, chilling. I mean, you can tell he is pissed. Yeah, like the like. The fury and like hurt and confusion, like all like playing on his face as like his like his jaw is clenched and his eyes are wide and it's just like I would be fucking terrified of this man. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and and like you know, it's it's the 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 man who like he's not gonna yell. He's probably he's not gonna hit you. But, like, just a look will just make your gut sink. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, he's, he's not going to yell. He's not going to hit you. But you disappointed him, and somehow that's worse than both of those things at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And to know, like, how close they've become uh, for it to be not, not really, like, based on a lie, but definitely based on an omission. Mm-hmm. But also based on a lie, because she she does say that, like, you know, he, he passed. Yeah. He passed. It was, it was fine. He passed. And there was nothing more we could do. And so the, there's definitely some some questioning there in, in, in his mind. Like, you know, he, you know, he said, like, you're, you're still the best pilot we have. Like, you're going to train these people. But you can tell he's questioning, like, can I trust you? Yeah. As as a person, as a friend, as a family member, and that's uh, like it hits so hard. But I yeah, think a, I think on the um you know it, kind of the subtext there. Like I think he understands 
how hard that would have been for her to tell him and, and why she didn't. And not that like, you know, I don't think that's a case of like, Oh, can I trust anything she says now or, you know, whatever. Cause I think, you know, she's got a lot of good rapport built up and good history built up of being a good pilot and a good uh, soldier and a good, uh, you know, ally um, that like, I think, I think he gets why this is the thing she chose not to tell him. Well, he does threaten to kill her, though, right? Like, leave. well, I, I don't think that was a real threat. I think that well, was Gal- just the anger talking, you know? Maybe, maybe, maybe. I think maybe, maybe that's another example of the professional and the personal getting mm-hmm. tangled up. And that's, he's, he's, show, he's shown there and other times before, obviously, but where, why he is who he is and why he's the man in charge because he does. He does put that first. He says, no, here's what you're going to do. You're going to reinstate these pilots. You're going to go out and train them. I, I know objectively you're, you're the best pilot. But also, if I have to look at you for another second after what I've just found out, I might murder you. So that's the second thing is you need to go. Yeah, like so, I, I took that more as like less of a threat and more as just to like, I need some time and space to process this and you need to not be here. Or I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't this, think he ever would have done that. This whole sequence is so good because he, he confronts her about it. And she says, I don't know. You'd have to ask Lee. And he says, I'm asking you. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, I don't, uh, I don't really know what he was talking about. So he's like, don't fence with me, Kara. I love you like a daughter. Oh. I don't deserve that. I don't and deserve so like she, she confesses. She tells him, you know, like he's, he failed. He wasn't a bad pilot. He just didn't have a feel for flying. He didn't have the chops. Uh, you know, he, he should have fa- failed, but I didn't fail him. I, you know, I didn't have the... I didn't have the heart to be the one to, to crush that dream. Uh, you know, he didn't have the chops and it killed him. And then we see a flashback of, you know, that day that they met. And um, that's when he figures out that they were engaged. And so we get that bit of backstory and it flashes back to this moment between uh, Starbuck and Adama. And he just says, like, you did it because you were engaged. She's like, because I made a mistake, because I was so in love with him and I let that get in the way of doing my job. And it's just, he wanted it so much. I didn't want to be the one who crushed him. And Adama just switches immediately. She just says, reinstate the trainees to flight status. And she's like, I, you know, I just, I need you to understand. He's like, do your job. And then we have the walk out of this cabin while you still can't, but just that, do your job. Mm -hmm. So quiet, Mm -hmm. so tense, but like, he could have slapped her across the face with how strong those words mm-hmm. were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, oh. Cause it's very much do your job. Like you didn't do, you know, when, yeah. when oh my, when my son died. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like it's, you know, he's not going to yell. He's not going to hit you. But the fact that he's disappointed in you is somehow worse. Mm-hmm. Like so that worse. hurts even more, you know, I just want to make dad so proud. We get the, yeah, don't make, don't make dad cry. Uh, we get the uh, the scene of Kara going back and telling the yeah, the trainees who are in the process of packing their bags to leave, like unpack. You're coming back to the ready room. You, you, and you. You're up first. We're gonna do this. And if you fail, you fail. Yeah, and that's it. But we're but we're and gonna so, give it another go. Yeah. So we get uh, three of them out on uh, flight maneuvers. It's uh, Hot Dog and Cat and Jimmy Bob Joe and, uh, James. Yes. That's a really Someone long call sign. Chuckles. Is that who it is? Chuckles. Chuckles. Yeah. She says, uh, 
cat chuckles a hot dog, you're up first. <laughs> and of course they all they all cheer and whatnot. And so they're they're out in the you know, in the vipers, they're doing their maneuvers. Uh she tells them they're gonna do uh, a maneuver called the Thorch Weave, uh, which again, fun callback to reality, is based on a uh fighter pilot maneuver called the thatch weave interesting um, yeah there's lots <laughs> so of little uh, caleb i didn't know you knew nuggets in this. you knew military history so much i just you know i'm i'm gonna take full credit for knowing all this stuff offhand and not at all doing any research uh, so <laughs> <laughs> no no you should be celebrating your no. uh your diligent approach to research Yes, doing the research and coming armed with facts is actually uh, a um, a virtuous quality. I wish I agree. the world would do more of that these days. <laughs> I agree. It um, is killing me that I can't for the show because if I were watching this on my own, oh, um, you would have at, so much information. I'd be yeah. so. I would be so deep down yeah. into the lore of the show. I would have finished by now. It would have been. This is a real oh, exercise yeah. in, in patience. and. Once we reach the end, we could probably do several episodes of just like mm-hmm. really picking the mm-hmm. show apart and like what did it all mean? I would uh, love so that. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're definitely going to have to do that because, yeah. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, but this time in these uh, maneuvers, uh, we, don't, we, don't get, uh, we don't get too much reprieve, do we? Well... Before before that happens, oh, before it happens, there's two things I want to call out. Um, the first one I think is actually on the first uh, flight training exercise before she fails them all, um, and that is when Cat is trying to land. Yes, uh, and Starbucks says something to the effect of "Don't chase the lights." Yeah, and I feel like I've heard that somewhere before, but googling it turns up literally nothing at least in my experience and i it, but for some reason that phrase sticks with me and i don't I know why i remembered it from that scene so like maybe it's just a, a subconscious uh memory from that i don't know yeah but that's that's just don't chase the lights has always stuck with me i just i love for something about those those four words together just i don't know i i, yeah. I just i had to mention it cuz it's great i love it well, i don't know why i'd love to help you maybe place where that comes from, but I not allowed. You're not allowed to do research. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's like, you know, rely on your training, rely on your gut. Like don't, don't overthink it and don't get distracted. Yeah. And, uh, well, I think it's also literal too, because the flight deck has those lights that are like (laughs) blinking in sequence across the deck. Yeah. And, you know, since the lights are going, in a, you know, essentially the same speed the whole way across, but you're supposed to be slowing down. I imagine chasing the lights is bad. So, but anyway, fair. That's just a call out. The 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 important thing here before before we get into what happens is um, they're doing their training exercises, and uh, hot dog uh, splits off and does some hot dogging, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, quote unquote shoots down the enemy, even though they're just using like, I don't know. It looks like they're just using. Like flash it, like little flashing lights instead of guns. Like they're playing laser tag or something. I don't know. But uh, anyway, uh, so he he you know neutralizes the enemy in that exercise. But um, you know he wasn't the the squad leader on that exercise, and so that you know Starbucks like never leave your leader. You know, like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's going to come in important later. Mm-hmm. 
but she's also very like she's stern but like she has a totally different tone with them now like she's actually trying to teach them and guide them yeah and she comes across as someone who is maybe in fact an experienced flight instructor and not just you know uh, a pilot with a chip on her shoulder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she's she's encouraging, she's helpful, she's, you know, really gassing them up, like, you can do this, And whereas before, like, her attitude was just like, you, you, you've already failed in my eyes, and I, I cannot help you. And so it's just mm-hmm. a complete 180, and it's, you love to see it. It's a lot more natural for her, too. Like, her personality comes out more, mm-hmm. and it's less of the, like, like, clenched jaw, like, closed up, like she's got a little bit of her swagger back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but then, but then there's uh, multiple Dreda's contacts, and this time it's not an ad break. It's not an ad break. <laughs> uh, it is, in fact, several. I believe eight specifically Cylon Raiders. No base star. That's a weird. Just one. a bunch of Raiders that just showed up. Yeah, uh, and they um, they do make a point to, of calling that out. Like someone says, like where the. You know, like, where's the base star? Like, there isn't one. It's just just the eight fighters, eight raiders. Um, and, you know, Ty's like, they found us. It was only a matter of time. I'm like, ooh, was it? I mean, obviously it was. Yeah. But, like, you know, at this point you feel like, you know, they should have been safe. They've made multiple faster than light jumps. Mm-hmm. They got rid of the, you know, the, Ast- the Astral Queen? No, that was the present ship. Olympic they got the, the Olympic Carrier. Yeah, I get those two mixed up all the time. Well, um, one of them even says, like, why didn't we see them coming? Like, there's something has gone uh, wrong here in this. I mean, obviously, but yeah. the, they're very explicit about that. But the bigger it's problem. Like they let their guard down. Yeah, almost. But the bigger problem is that uh, Starbuck and the three the three Nuggets are out there in Vipers, and they're pretty Hot far. Nugget. They're pretty far from the Galactica, and therefore they're pretty far from the uh, the reinforcements. Mm-hmm. And the you know, the alert fighters aren't necessarily on, on alert. As, <laughs> on alert, uh, they're not necessarily as ready to scramble, having like being down so many pilots, mm-hmm. and so they get like one pilot who's able to respond within a couple of minutes and get like in the launch tubes and get out there out after them to help. Uh, so Starbucks sends. The, the trainees back. She's like, just get out of here. And yeah, full throttle back to the ship. Don't look back. They, uh, they actually, they, they start all going back together. She breaks off and engages the Cylons, which uh, someone on, uh, it was Ty, is like, she's going to take on all eight and get herself killed. Yeah. Uh, which like, this is very much a classic Starbucks maneuver where mm-hmm. she's just mm-hmm. going to like, fuck classic it. Like, Starbuck. you know, the, I just every time she does something like this, I think back to the, you know, the first episode where she's like, you know, I'm I'm over those hero- heroics. Like we're gonna we're gonna you know take it easy and buy the book. Uh, no, she never does that. She's not ever over the heroics. Uh, and she actually uh, she she holds them off pretty well. Uh, and Hot Dog actually decides that he can't do it. He can't leave because she just told him never leave your your leader. And so he breaks off and goes back to uh, engage with them again, or engage with them as well, uh, and is almost immediately taking fire and damage. So he has to kind of try to limp out of there. He does get uh, one though. He gets one, and it's a uh, a big uh, big Luke Skywalker energy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for someone over the wireless. Like, don't get cocky. <laughs> um, so uh, he he. Kind of limps off. Starbucks. Starbucks. Well, 
<laughs> Hold one moment. Starbuck uh, has managed to, to take out uh, six of the, the eight and uh, Hot Dog one. So there's one left and Starbuck goes after it. And she does manage to destroy it, but she takes fire. Or no, uh, it actually, like when spinning out of control, just like the, the wing of the, the, uh, the raider scrapes against her ship. Uh, well, she's already, yeah, she's already in bad shape. Like her Doradus is down and like her instruments are, are you know, like she's still flying the, the, the Viper, but it's not in great shape. And then this just kind of knocks everything out. Yeah. Her transponder cuts out her wireless comms uh, cut out. So she's like totally cut off from the ship. Uh, and the, you know, the, the Galactica doesn't know what the hell has happened to her at this point. They just know she went dark suddenly. Uh, the Raider crashes into her and they go spiraling towards the planet. Uh, and that's where we you know, see this scene that we've gotten the flashbacks to so many times throughout the episode as she's spiraling down uh, through the atmosphere of this, uh, what looks like a gas giant, which like, that would be a bad place to land mm-hmm. uh, since <laughs> there is no land. Um, and she does eject as uh, both her Viper and the uh, Cylon Raider are crashing towards the planet. And that's where we leave it. That's where we leave it. Real cliffhanger. Continued. Now Real. there is one other scene that we uh, that we didn't talk about, but is important. It didn't drive the action along so much, but uh, we catch up again with uh, with the president. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about that one. <gasps> you forgot about President Roslin. I know. How yeah. dare I? <laughs> I know. How dare you? Uh, if you remember correctly, in a in a previous episode, she had asked if there was a doctor on board the Galactica, and. Uh, the the commander tells her that there's uh there's Cottle, I think a major, major Cottle, but he's off uh doing rounds through the fleet, so he wasn't available at the time. And so Rosalind is able to to catch up with Dr. Cottle and have herself a checkup. And what a character he is. <laughs> <laughs> he's just the gruff like mm. I, he's smoking. Yeah. It's just. Well, and she's even like, do you mind not smoking? He's like, actually, I do. I do. <laughs> actually, they do. It's like, you know, he, he tells her, like, you know, first of all, like, how could you wait, this, like, so long to get screenings? And she's like, well, I was busy. <laughs> and he's like, you know, at this point, you know, the, the cancer's, like, it's spread too far. You know, the best we can do is some some gamma treatment and then duloxin. Like it's like I don't know if you know what the side effects of duloxin are. Uh, and turns out Rosalind actually lost her mother to cancer, so she's very aware of what the side effects of uh, of that chemo is. And she says, uh, "I'd like to explore alternate treatments." <laughs> to which she replies, "Prayer." Prayer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we we get a little hint of something that uh, she wants to try. It seems like maybe a, a more like naturopathic. Uh, remedy called Kamala extract, which I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes because uh, Kahlo kind of responds like she's a, a crackpot for even suggesting it. Yeah, and uh, even says like, you know, we'll we'll put out the word and see if uh, any other wide-eyed dreamer out there with a secret hoard of Kamala extract in their luggage, uh, and you know, for what it's worth, I would seriously consider prayer. So basically, he's written her off right <laughs> yeah. there and there. Yeah, yeah. that holistic kind of i was really in, uh surprised that that was a i guess i mean i don't actually know what kamala extract is um but uh obviously but um i don't think it's I a real su- thing <laughs> well i didn't mean i meant in the in the fiction of the show for me i to look what you've done now now i'm derailed uh for, 
she just seems like <laughs> such a logical straightforward kind of um person uh, not not in the same way that that we would say adama is but she's she's not a wide-eyed dreamer right um, right no and uh so for her to to lean in that direction um but i guess to have if your choices are sci- like faith or science right prayer or um the gamma and whatever the other deluxe deluxe basically, like, basically radiation and chemo yeah, yeah yeah um you know the sort of third maybe middle path i guess i could see her um yeah i don't know yeah and like you know she she tells us she's already seen what that does to someone and like she's holding on you know to to hope she's holding on to her own humanity and she's trying to put you know put on a brave front for the the fleet so that you know pe- other people don't give up hope uh she definitely sees herself and her presidency as like symbolic of the uh stability that people need uh and like what they all want to have again. Uh, and so she, she's worried that uh, were they to see her uh, in a, you know, a decline and like learn about her, her being ill uh, that that would uh, cause people to, to lose hope. Like, well, the, you know, our leadership is crumbling from the top. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe she's putting a little bit too much confidence in herself uh, and people's perceptions of her. But I also think there's merit to, to what she says just because of how symbolic that, like her whole role really starts as, yeah. And so, like she's she's seen what the you know the radiation and the chemicals can do. She doesn't want to live through that if she doesn't have to. I think she's willing to do it if that's what she has to do. But if there is any other way, she you know something that's more subtle and maybe more natural, uh, she definitely wants to try that. It just occurred to me, and this is maybe a nitpicky. Nitpicky is not the right. Anyway, this is a. Do they even have the like? (laughs) Pick them nits. Oh, that's what that means. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, wow. I learned something today, huh? So I'm gonna pick this little uh, knit now. And um, do they even have the like facilities out in space on the ships for chemo and? Like, am I being... Because there's nowhere to land, right? I mean, presumably they would have to have at least some supplies. Uh, and maybe it was, you know, cobbled together from what the ships had from like, any... Right. Especially any that were going to be, like, long-term transport ships. Like, I doubt the Astral Queen has a lot since it was basically mm-hmm. a bus. They probably have some more like first aid kit, but the Galactica was a fully functioning like long range military vessel. That's so true. Right. Yeah, but sick I, bay I is probably fairly well stocked. Yeah, but I can't imagine their sick bay is like ready for things like cancer. It's more like for things like gunshot wounds and you know the kind of things let that me, would happen to you in war. If, yeah. Let me counter although, with why I think they would be. Okay. Uh, one because they're in space. <laughs> and there's a fuck ton of radiation in space. Okay. Uh, and two, because they fight an enemy that has nukes. Okay. I think they would be prepared for radiation exposure and uh, potentially cancer. Well, I guess is there, like, the, now we're doing that. Yeah, this is not interesting for anybody listening. But I'm just wondering, like, <laughs> you know, I guess somebody with a slow moving cancer could need to get on board and go somewhere who's on, like... Okay, you know, uh, yeah, I'm withdrawing my my earlier well, uh, 
put that knit back in. I just think that like, you know, if you think about, um, you know, the current military stuff, if someone gets hurt in the field, you know, you address the immediate things in the field, but for something like cancer, you'd get sent home or sent back to the hospital. They wouldn't just say, okay, well stay with the army here in the field and we're just going to treat your cancer. Like, well, yes and no. I mean, I think like the being in space, right. Does kind of change things. Cause it is a longer journey back to wherever home is. Right. So maybe, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But like, um, I get the, what? I get the impression that like the, the, they don't venture very far from the, the, the 12 colonies prior to the, the attacks and the, and the colonies are like a day trip apart is kind of the impression that I get, but I could be way off. It's also really convenient to the story to say that one of the ships fleeing from the attack on the colonies uh, stocked as much as they could before leaving. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I, yeah, if I'm, it, I'm if usually If it came not, down so. to that and that was the explanation they used, I would buy it. Yeah. Give me something. And I'm, I'm usually pretty on yeah. board as long as there's plausible. Or, you know, for all we know, there was a, a medical supply ship that was delivering, Ooh. you know, medical supplies yeah. and then got caught up in this fleet. And they're just going to do the best they can with the, the you know, medical, you know, sick bay on Galactica. They may not necessarily be set up for, uh, you know, radiation treatment and chemo and whatnot. But, um, you know, they'll certainly make, you know, do a makeshift situation because that's sure. all they can do. So, yeah. Because even the, the that ship show. that becomes Colonial One has a, a fairly sizable cargo hold, hold, so it's it's not unrealistic to think that somewhere in the fleet uh, is a cargo of medical supplies. It's mm-hmm. a good point. For house sure. in space. <laughs> space house. Want to want to watch space I l- house? I love that uh, Rosalind has not only like an office set up in the main what was the main like passenger cabin, but has a, a separate room for her like living quarters and whatnot. And it's really kind of settled in very, very homey. It, like mm-hmm. it, it feels like a place you could live. Mm-hmm. And uh, having spent uh, now almost four months in a small apartment, uh, you know what? I, I think I could probably make it work in space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it There's actually no sounds kind of nice. Yeah, exactly. Oh, At least the view would be different out my window. Good God. That's that's true. You actually be able to see the stars. Oh God! Oh, that's, that's the saddest thing ever. <laughs> anyway, let's wrap up this Andrea, episode. As usual, Andrea, we want to hear uh, what's uh, what's stood out to you. Any new surprises? Any new theories? Uh, any shockers? I should spend more time preparing for this moment because it happens. Every yeah, it's going to happen every week. Yeah, and again, I really was expecting this show to be more of a, uh, like, I keep being watching for some sort of, like, secret mystery something that I'm going to have to figure out. Um, and it's not it's not really that kind of show, and I should stop being surprised by that now that I've watched some six hours or so of it. Um, but Well, I will it, say it's got I, some, it's going to have some twists. Yeah, um, I am just over and over again, like, uh, surprised and also impressed by their, their ability to do that. Um, I would love a show that is just hot dog chuckles and cat. Like they are clearly living, they have their own rich interior life, the way they celebrate, um, when they get sort of reinstated 
reinstated. You could tell they've really been been working through that together. Um, so you want their own little spinoff? Yeah, for sure. Hot dogs so funny. That's such a good. That's that's what I'm taking from this episode. Hot dogs. Any new Cylon theories? Um, there. I'm stuck on the. Why didn't we see them coming? Um, and we've we, we you know have speculated that somebody we know that the Cylons look like us and that um, at least one person on board is a Cylon. So, uh, you know, it's, I think it's pretty safe to assume that they're, they're getting some inside information, but if it's Boomer, Boomer doesn't, did we see, did we see Boomer this episode? Uh, She was in the celebration. But otherwise. Yeah. She wasn't really in the main action of the, of the episode. What has she been doing? Booming. Huh. Booming. She's just been Boomer's booming. got a boom. Um, if we could go way back to the beginning when we see the ratchet strap and then the person is inspecting and says it's old, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, I didn't, when I first watched that, it looked like there was something interfering with it explicitly and deliberately. Like um, it just moved in a way that it, to me, felt like there was some, and I don't know what that could be. I don't know what sort of. Uh, capabilities or whatever um somebody might have that you're talking like some some kind of telekinesis of someone like releasing the strap (laughs) no no not necessarily that um that sort of supernatural but it just there seemed to be it just there was i don't know i don't i can't put my finger on exactly what was strange about the movement there but there was just something that like um I, I got to watch this one twice, and when I went back the second time, it's still, I don't know, I can't quite put my finger on that. Um, one thing I'll point. say about that rack of drones um, that bothers me is it's a, it's a really stupid design because they're, like, they're on this, like, angled metal brace and then strapped onto it such that if the strap fails, they just slide mm-hmm. right off. Yep. And it seems like all they would have to do is make those metal bits, like, level and then if the strap fails it's just sitting there not Mm -hmm. sliding off onto the ground i don't think that's the best way to store things like that but what do i know You're talking about the same people that like have slanted corners on all of their their paper and like (laughs) other devices okay that's fair their angles they just they don't they don't like right angles they just don't like them exactly everything is an unnecessary octagon Unnecessary Octagon is my new ska band name. There you go. <laughs> uh, it just it, seems just, really obtuse. Like, what a way to... to. I don't have the end of that sentence. I just wanted to make the joke about it being obtuse. Uh, no, I love it. I, I get it because angles. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good. I it's good. thought it was it's a un- cute joke. It's unfortunate that when the drone fell, they couldn't just pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. <laughs> Kitsy, you can't shake your head. You opened that up. You you started that. I'm shaking my head at myself for opening that up. I'm. <laughs> this I'm ta- is your fault. I, I, no, it is my fault, and I'm disappointed in myself. We should all be disappointed <laughs> in each other and ourselves. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is uh, this is I, I mentioned earlier my second of three podcasts that I'm recording today, and uh, so far I'm two for two in ska references. So, <laughs> okay. uh, gotta go for that hat trick. <laughs> Yeah, something I'll about the hat that the sky guys wear. The little, uh, the little yeah, yeah. that wasn't that was that was nothing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I will say that it bothered me a little bit that the strap, like, 
it it looked a little too ragged to just be worn. Like realistically, someone when ratcheting those uh, those straps to secure those drones to make sure that this exact thing doesn't happen, mm-hmm. someone would have noticed how badly in disrepair that strap was, and uh, either. Uh, it actually isn't worn, and that's another little bit of sabotage, uh, which I tend to lean towards just because it's so badly damaged. Or someone was criminally negligent when they <laughs> strapped that and said, eh, it'll hold. It'll be fine. Well, I mean, keep in mind, they're, they're, all, they're understaffed, they're exhausted, they're stressed out. Like, I can see overlooking something like that because you're just, you're you're trying to do too much at once and... It, you know, you just, you, you can't pay attention to all those little things like that. Um, and, you know, it also could be a case of, like, maybe they just didn't have any more ratchet straps. Like, it's, you know, it's not like they can just go down to Walmart and get one. <laughs> They're heading down to, to TSC. To <laughs> get some new ratchet straps. Exactly. Like, like, the, <laughs> like. <laughs> you really got Caleb on that one. I just. Uh, my my first job was at a, uh, a tractor supply company, or what what eventually became the like tractor supply company TSC, but it was under a different name at the time. And I'm just picturing uh, someone coming in in my 6 a.m. Uh, shift, uh, wearing full like colonial uniform. <laughs> well, I don't think it would be a colonial we, uniform. We I think to... it'd be one of the the deck crew in that in the orange jumpsuit. Yeah. Just picturing like Callie and some of the deck crew coming in, like we need all of your ratchet straps. <laughs> it's gonna be a long ride. Listen, the Cylons look like us. I don't have time to explain. Give me all your ratchet straps. Can I ask a question? I've been meaning I, to. I don't know why I have to qualify and also preface every question with a hundred things, but I do. So there's that. There's a preface for my preface. Um, <laughs> Are there other, like, so far in space, there are humans and there are Cylons. And I thought, coming into this show, that this was another Star Trek, like, I thought that Cylons were a, like, uh, race or species of aliens that we encountered, you know what I mean, in our space travels, well, what's interesting about that is in the original Battlestar Galactica, the Cylons were actually created by a a humanoid lizard race that had since gone extinct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but obviously in this reality, uh, they're this running incantate- our country. Am I right? Yeah, lizard people. In, in this reality, they're funded by Soros. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I'm excited for your third podcast tonight, Caleb. Yeah, it's good. Which one is? Which one is that? I'm actually I'm guesting on someone else's podcast tonight, so they're getting what they're getting at this point. (laughs) That's what they get for being third in line. Do is what you can do. There you go. I I I told them what I had going on today, and they still (laughs) this is when they booked it. So. So, but anyway, to, to answer your, your question, um, I'm actually debating if I want to answer this question because I, I don't, I don't know if it would, if it would really be a spoiler or not, but what do you think, Caleb? I'll admit that I didn't catch all of the question, 
I was distracted. I was distracted by something that's relevant to us, but not necessarily needing to go in this episode. So I'll tell you about it afterwards. So the the question was, um, you know, are there, basically the question was, are there other intelligent races in this universe? At this point in time, we don't know. Okay, works for me. So we uh, we're, we're definitely in a cliffhanger. We uh, we we have to find out uh, next week what happens to Starbuck. Uh, what's, uh, what becomes of the fleet? Do we know, you know, why the, uh, the Cylons attack and are there more on their way? Uh, do our pilot tra- trainees make it? There's, uh, there's a lot of questions. Are Hilo and, uh, Sharon safe on Caprica? Uh, so you're going to have to, uh, tune in next time. So once again, if you're not already subscribed, make sure you click that button and, uh, follow us along the, uh, the action and we'll, we'll make sure to send out the jump coordinates every week. Uh, but for now, we're going to spool up the FTL drives and jump out of here to a safe location. Thanks for joining us on Set Condition 1. A Night Shift Radio production. I want to say something, too. <laughs> Perfect. Begin jump prep. We're leaving. We'll be back. Start your prep. Set Condition 1 is a Night Shift Radio production. Visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.